note. We will. Um, we're going to continue talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but we're going to open in prayer. And we're going to give praise that we're all here. We're alive. We're in our right mind, right? Semi. Some of us. I, I speak for myself only. I, I can only, you know, I can only test my internal temperature. So, um, but I am believing God that he's going to do great things. That's, that's all I can say. I know God is in control of this world and it's going to do what he says it's going to do. Now, we give praise for Cindy and, and um, Keith for getting over COVID and believe that God's going to continue to heal Keith's body. We'll speak to his kidneys. That's what neat, right? His kidneys. Is that the main thing? Kidneys, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I will, I will quote Helen Keller this morning. That the safe are caught as often as the risky. So, <laughs> we will just, you got to live, right? We got to live. And so, I'll quote her again and say, it'd be a fearful thing to have sight with no vision so that's what we have to have this morning is a vision of of who's in charge of our lives and so we'll pray for these that are in need and we're going to pray that that god's going to continue to move and restore and what's our word god what's our word mike that god gave us i almost called him god what's our word god that mike gave us no what's our word mike that god gave us restitution restitution. Somebody gave us that word and said, God is speaking. I said, reconciliation. And they said, no, and that's not what God's saying. He's saying restitution. So I had to look up what restitution was. Restitution is reconciliation with interest. I thought, cool, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's good. I want to believe for that. So we're going to pray that God is going to move and bless and restore and that God is going to strengthen hearts and homes and minds today. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We pray, Father, that your spirit right now, that the breath of God would enter into this place, Lord God. I pray that every heart, Lord God, every heart would be carved open in some measure. God, that even the smallest crack, Lord God, if the seed of your word would go forth there, it would bust open every prevailing lie that would seek to sabotage the fruit of your word. And Lord, we pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our heart to receive, Lord God. Let every shroud of fog and fear and every lie of the enemy be broken in the name of Jesus. And I just pray, Father, for those who are sick among us. You said if they be sick, let us call for the elders of the church and anointing them with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if they have committed sins, they would be forgiven, God. We lift up Keith and Cindy. We lift up, uh, we lift up Kim and her mother and her sons, Lord God. I pray that you would touch their bodies, Lord God, that you would give them breath and healing and wholeness, Lord God. I pray that you would restore us to health again, Lord God, that we may be strong and do exploits today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that you have given us on earth, Lord God. Let us not waste a moment, for one day we will stand in your presence and give not only account for every idle word, Lord God, but we will give account, Lord God, for the deeds done for you or against you, Lord God. Let our 
lives not stand before you as wood, hay, and stubble with no reward, God, but let us, Lord God, when you are, we are tried with the fire, Lord God, of your presence, let us remain firm in Christ, Lord God, knowing, God, that let us not lose our inheritance in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Let's get going. And we're going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to start out, let's go to Romans 8. I'm just going to jump right in this morning because it's really important that we get somewhere today. And I know that you don't stop me from getting anywhere. I stop myself. But being my own worst enemy, I'm just going to get my scripture out. And we're going to see where we're going to go. Romans 8, as I've told you before, I call this, this chapter in the, in the Word of God. It is like the, if, if the whole thing is God's symphony, the whole, it's like his work. This is the opus of God. This chapter 8 is like the crescendo of this entire thing. This is, it's a magnificent chapter in the Word of God. I mean, Romans in itself is phenomenal as for, as with regard to theology, but chapter 8 is where it all comes together. Um, Romans 8, I'm going to begin reading in verse 21. Nope, verse 20. Nope, 18. Let's just go 18. Let's just go 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time. Anybody, anybody relate? I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the coming glory to be revealed to us. I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed to us. For creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. For creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of the one God who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also would be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans together and suffers birth pains until now. And not only creation, but even ourselves, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption, the redemption of our body. For in hope we were saved, but hope that seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if he hopes for what he does not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. In the same way, the Spirit or the Ruach helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes seeds for the saints according to the will of God. Now we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Them whom he predestined he also called and those he called he also justified and them who he justified he also glorified. That we what shall we say in view of these things? If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? It is Messiah who died, moreover was raised, and is now at the right hand of God who intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of sword it is written for your sakes we are being put to death all day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter but in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord that is good stuff that's the tree of life version. Those are all the Jewish words in there. I mean, if we can't be happy on a morning in November in 2020 after having read that chapter in just a portion, then we just can't be happy. But many times when we find ourselves in the valley of disillusionment, We, are, we come to these crossroads in our lives. I will tell you this, that disillusionment, how many of you know what disillusionment is? When you, when you think it's going to be one way and it goes another. Now, I'm not talking about anything specifically. When we, this is something I have found to be true from the Word of God forward. Disillusionment is an unlikely progenitor of revelation. Father. It's what gives birth to, or brings about, gives birth to revelation. For example, Jesus, when he walked on, his, on this earth and he did miracles, signs, and wonders, and he had 12 followers, and those 12 followers knew he was the Messiah, right? They thought he was going to do what? Die on a cross for their sins and be raised again on the third day? And be, what did they think he was going to do? They thought he was going to start a revolution. What did they think he was going to do? Set up a political power. They thought he was going to overthrow Rome. They followed him. We see that. Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can I sit on your right hand and on your left? Even sent mama in to ask a question. Mamas will do a lot for their boys, won't they? And Jesus just laughed. He said, well, are you able to suffer what I am? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Suffering's my middle name. Suffering succotash. Yeah, I got suffering all lined out, Jesus. You know, you JC. In the house. That's a little, how many of y'all, I was throwing back to Carmen days there. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> In the house, JC. <laughs> so we look at that, and here they are, and Jesus just laughed at them. He was never unclear about his mission. 
It's funny, if you read through the Gospels, it'll say, and Jesus told them what things he must suffer and die at the hands of the Jews. And he said, and then it said, and he steadfastly, he, he said, let's go to Jerusalem. You know, he just told them that's where he's going to die, and he's going to suffer in Jerusalem. He did not leave one thing undisclosed. They, however, through their own illusions, they were illusioned first. You've got to be illusioned somewhere. Through their own illusionment, they were like, it's going to be great. We're on the inside. That's what they thought. And, they just, uh, and, and then it would say in the Gospels, they would turn and look at each other and they would say, we have no idea what he's talking about. He said it in black and white language that they would understand. One time he told Peter that he was going to suffer and die. After Peter had the great revelation of him being the Christ, you know what Peter did? Pulled him aside. Let me teach you, Jesus. Pity yourself, Lord. Have mercy on yourself. You know what Peter was really saying? It just can't happen that way because I've got plans for myself. And so Jesus turned to the man who just had the revelation that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You can find this in, Mark, in Matthew 16. And he turns to Peter and he says, Satan, I rebuke you, Satan, and get behind me. Thou savoreth not the things of God, but of men. Because what Peter was saying is take the way of... Jesus had already met that tempter before he ever even met Peter. In a wilderness, wherever Jesus took him up, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all you got to do is just bow down and worship me, and they're yours with a shortcut. Now, did Satan have all the kingdoms of the world to offer? Yes. And Jesus said, I'll not be taking your shortcuts. I'll be doing the Father's route. Okay, let's take you up on the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself off. You know you're the Son of God, and he will not suffer. He will give his angels charge over you. Satan's using the word. He will give his angels charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He was saying, prove who you are. Prove your equality with God. Demonstrate your equality with God. But we know he didn't. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And Peter wrote to the church at Philippi, he said, he did not consider being in the form of God, yet he did not consider equality with God as being something that should be grasped. Grasping at, I'm God too. I'm God too. Look at me. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Mm -mm. But he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even a death on a cross. Let this same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
Letting each esteem others as better than themselves. Oh, this is not the gospel I signed up for. I signed up for that one that gets me my best life now where I get a big car and a big house and a new paycheck. Preferably a big one. Who promised you that? Some TV evangelist? Now, I believe God wants to prosper people, to be sure. I don't believe he wants... Poverty is an outflowing of the devil's work in your life. Anything wasting and destroying is a result of poverty. However, God will never give us more than we can actually steward. I don't say stand. Then we can actually steward back into the kingdom. Many of us say, God, if you let me win the lottery... I would do so much for you. We had a friend of ours, shouldn't tell this story, a long time ago in a land far, far away. There lived someone I knew in another lifetime. And he had a person in his church who was going to get a big settlement. Big, huge. It's going to be huge. And he's like, if you pray with me to get this settlement... I will give so much money to the church, Pastor. We're talking a couple of million. You know, he's going to be a million. He's going to be wealthy. So, I mean, the pastor's like, keep me if I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to agree with you. You know, you're going to direct resources to the kingdom. I'm, you know, I, we're all in. I believe God, you know, whatever. That man won his settlement. You know where he did never show back up to? Never went back to church. That's exactly. If, he, if you won't be faithful with the little, you'll never be faithful with the much. If you aren't, you'll never rule over more than you're faithful with now because it'll rule over you. Get a clue. So how, here we have, we have the, the ministry of the Spirit. We think the ministry of the Spirit is going to come and just cause us to get doodads and run around the church. That might happen. I mean, run. If you want to run, run fast. Run for me too, okay? Because I'm afraid if I run, I'm going to trip and fall. Yeah, I know, I didn't wear my running shoes. But if God moves on me to run, I'll run. I mean, how many of you have ever danced in the Spirit? Raise your hand. I'm talking about dancing in the Spirit. You know, okay, when you dance in the spirit, you're not like, and I don't mind the dancing in my, I mean, I can dance, you know, just like I can, I can pray in the spirit and see, I can pray in the, you know, let's see, this is a dance that I'm doing. I'm in charge of this dance. Y'all see it? You know, I'm in charge of it. Madison Serban, I like how she dances. I can't do it. I wish somebody else would do it for me, you know, but she's in charge of that dance. There's a dance in the spirit you're not in charge of anymore. <laughs> Where you're like, whoa, this is part, I don't know what this is. So, you know, you, there, there's the Spirit of God many times offends our natural mind, right? We, 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 we do things under the Spirit of God, that, but that's not what I'm looking for, is to see how someone behaves under the Spirit of God with regard to a manifestation. That's not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's funny that the Word of God doesn't give a whole lot of credence to what we would call manifestations. Now, we call speaking in tongues a manifestation of the Spirit, but that's in the operation of the gifts. Prophecy is a manifestation of the Spirit, but it's in the operation of the gifts. Word of knowledge is a manifestation of the Spirit, but it's in the operation of the gifts. And Word of wisdom and so on and healing, all these, see, but they're in the operation of the gift. 
you know, being a person who dances, we see that David danced before the Lord with all his might, but the Bible doesn't make big things about what are small things. Right? It's just part of worship. And so when the Spirit of God comes, I will tell you that the Spirit of God will probably offend your senses. You know what I'm talking about? I, we, we were in Hot Springs. We had the Spirit of God was pouring out I mean, all the time. People were getting saved. I mean, I've seen Mike before pray people through the baptism. You have, so, you have 60 or 70 people lined up in the altar, and they all want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know how long it takes to pray somebody through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's already toward the end of the night, right? And you're like, oh, I am wore out. There's a, few, there's a physical side to it. And so God told Mike, he said, I want you to count to three. And when you say three, I'm, the Holy Spirit's going to fall and they're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The ones who are ready are going to be baptized. And Mike's like, oh, this is kind of beyond the theology here, but here goes, right? And so he told everybody and they were lined up. And he said, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, the Spirit of God is going to fall and all you got to do is just obey God. How many people that night were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Just instantly. And it... So we're like, hey, God, you can do this. You can build your church. You do what you want to do, and you know what you want to do. But I'm telling you, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life is even more. It's more than about those things. And it's where, it, it's where I'm talking about today in the groaning of the Spirit. That's where we don't really particularly lie. I like the doodads. I don't always like the groaning. I don't always like in my life the, the groaning of the Spirit. I mean, how many of you, when you groan, it's something good? How many of you ever, when, you, when do you groan? Ladies groan when they're having a baby, don't they? How many of you groan when you're sick? There's a groan. How many of you groan when you're upset? So the word groan is a, is a word that means the presence of some sort of a controversy, isn't it? Yeah, something deep in you. And so we, we look at this and we see creation was groaning. We read that creation was groaning to be set free from the bondage of decay. We groan in our physical man to be set free from what? The bondage of decay, the flesh. The Holy Spirit groans also in there. Why is he groaning? To make us into the image of Christ, thereby setting us free from the bondage of sin and decay. So the groaning is to set us free from the bondage of sin and decay. Do you want to be set free from the bondage of sin and decay? See, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. However, in our lives, can we resist the Holy Spirit? Is there a scripture for that? Yes. I'm, I'm glad you asked. There's one in Thessalonians that there's a scripture for it. I'll just go back in my notes a little bit here. Thessalonians is 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Now that has to do with a couple of different aspects of the Spirit's operation. Don't quench the moving of the Spirit in the gifts. How many of you have ever quenched the Spirit of God in moving in the gifts in your life? I have. Why did you quench the Spirit? I don't know what they'll think, so fear. Is it just fear every single time? Fear. Oh, no, 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 God, not me. Pick somebody else. How many of you said, okay, okay, well, I'll do it if you get, you know, 15 more minutes. And how many of you seen, how many of you have ever been in a service where the Lord wanted to use you in either prophecy or tongues and you quenched the spirit? Oh, no. And then what happened? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah, and that that sometimes happens. Me personally, when I have uh, the moving of the spirit on me and the gifts of it in, in prophecy or interpretation, I only usually hear the first four or five words. I never have any more than that. It'll be this grinding of a constant in my mind of four or five words that are starting, starting. It's like that's the only thing I can do. I don't know how many of you are here that Sunday morning. Now, this is still freaks me out because it's never happened to me, and I've never seen it in a church that I'm aware of. Maybe you have. The morning that I stood up and I began to prophesy in rhyme. Do y'all, we all here? See, you, probably don't even, you may not even noticed it. The Spirit of God started moving through, and I heard, and when I was sitting over in the pew, the Lord told me, he said, find the rhythm of my spirit. And I was like, find the rhythm? That's cool, God. I just kept repeating that, find the rhythm of my spirit. It's a rhythm. God, show me the rhythm of your spirit. And that's all I had. I thought, what does this mean? Okay, and I got up, and I stood up, and as soon as I began to open my mouth, I had a few words, and I knew that they rhymed. So I just, I do what I do. I just said those, and I thought it would end, but it didn't end. Everything was being pushed into my brain had a rhythm. It was in, there was a beat to it. There was a dun da 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 dun And I was stuck in poet mode. A dun da dun And I kept trying to get out of it. What did you think, Mike? You thought, well, she memorized something? And I was like, and it freaked me out. And I was going, oh. And what was going on the inside of me? I was like, oh, God, I'm stuck in rhyme. That's what I thought. I thought I can't stop this rhyming pattern from coming to me. Everything is coming in rhyme. So much so, I internally said, God, please stop. This is scaring me. Now, that's, a look, that's never happened to me before. And it has really stuck with me because I think, Lord, if that, I mean, now that was pretty, that was pretty bizarre. I mean, I don't just write poetry on the moment. That's beyond my natural ability. But I'm telling you, I wasn't thinking it through. It was this rhythm coming through me. And I was like, rhythm of the Spirit, oh Lord. I thought I was stuck. Everything I wanted to say after that was coming. It was, it was just still there. I was like, Lord, please, can we push that rhythm down? So we see the Holy Spirit can do some pretty profound things in our life because he's living in me. And he's groaning within me. And I can, I can repress and I can quench the spirit. But it also says in Ephesians 4 and 30, I can also, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit, if you continue to read there in Ephesians, you find out it's a whole list of bad behaviors, character flaws, grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. Gossip grieves the Holy Spirit. Pouting grieves the Holy Spirit. Being unwilling to serve grieves the Holy Spirit. Lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Greed grieves the Holy Spirit. Theft grieves the Holy Spirit. Perversion grieves the Holy Spirit. Drunkenness grieves the Holy Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine. Where is in excess? Where is in you're out of control? You're controlled by the wine. But be ye filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. How many have ever been drunk and controlled by wine? Raise your hand and I don't want no line. Wow. I've been drunk with wine or alcohol, and you've been controlled by it. Yeah. Would you say I was in control? Did that wine 
I mean, how many of you have heard the statement, drunks tell no lies, and that's for sure. When you get drunk and whatever's in your heart, you're just, whoa, blah, 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 blah. I hate drunks with the love of God. You thought, yeah, see, your inhibitions were removed, and you were controlled by wine. You were controlled. It was making decisions for you based Oh, well, we don't want time. But see, what we see how we have that? Now, <clears throat> I mean, Mike, when he was controlled, not by wine, he could say he could drink wine for days and never get drunk. But you give him a bottle of whiskey and he would wind up in jail before the night was over. Right? His front tooth is chipped. I'll never see it. He never shows his teeth. Like, I don't know why, but it's, it's a diagonal tooth. Can you show us your tooth? Smile. Now, <laughs> He got that in a Tarrant County jail. Yeah. Because he had been arrested um, the night after graduation. Graduation present from some girl was a bottle of Crown Royal. And so he wound up in a Tarrant County jail. And then while he was in the drunk tank, see, this is not, who's controlling you at this point, Mike? It's definitely, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a calm, quiet, passive individual. I know. I've, I've lived with him for 32 years. Always. Calm, quiet, passive, peaceable. But you put another person in control of him, and he gets in the drunk tank, and he picks up a, a drain cover from the drunk tank and breaks out a window in the, in the drunk tank. Well, that got his hands and his feet shackled, and the cops came and drug him to solitary confinement. And when he walked in there, they grabbed the shackles on his legs and did that. And guess what he did? And that tooth was gone. And he has that memento. Whenever strong drink is in control, you're not. So that's really not a part of my message, but I feel like somebody needs it in here. Do not be drunk with wine. Because you'll get out of control. It's not God's desire for you. Oh, it's not a sin to drink. Yeah, but y'all don't just drink. And if it doesn't lead you to God, I'm I'm okay with any action in your life that leads you to God. I say, get her done if it leads you to God. But if it doesn't, then I'll be right here waiting on you when you get your tooth chipped. But be you controlled by the Holy Spirit. Wow. So it compares. Isn't that funny comparison there? Compares alcohol and the Holy Spirit. Alcohol. You didn't see that, did you ever? Alcohol and the Holy Spirit. Alcohol can seem to give you a boldness that you didn't have. Alcohol can seem to make you think you can operate in gifts that you didn't have. Alcohol can give you a fight that you didn't think you had. Alcohol can give you, but it's all for destruction. But you know what? The Holy Spirit can give you a boldness that you don't have unto righteousness. It can give you words that you don't have unto peace. It can give you an assurance and an imagination and a destiny that you... Let the Holy Spirit control you. What you're looking for in the bottom of a, 
you know, maybe you're a high-class wine drinker. Maybe you're a low-class beer drinker. Or maybe you're a hardcore whiskey drinker. Whatever you're looking, and I'll tell you, this was not in my notes anywhere. Whatever you're looking for there, let the Holy Spirit develop in you through his groanings the very things that you're trying to reach for in a bottle through escapism that are only going to leave you with a headache, a heartache, and a hangover. And the only way to recapture that momentary feeling of inhibition, of courage, of boldness, of, of strength, of talent is to do it again and to be left with less of yourself the next time. Now that's good preaching. And that'll set somebody free if you listen to it. And that's what the Spirit is, I hear, I feel it right now. The Spirit says I'm groaning for that in somebody's life in this room. I'm groaning for that. There's a controversy where they won't yield control to me. And they think that I'll be okay with their unlikeness to Jesus. And the Spirit is groaning today. He's groaning in our lives. You see, our life is so spooled around the flesh. Spooled. Get a picture of a spool. And a wire, maybe, or thread wound tightly around that spool. And the spirit groans. What does he have to do? How many have ever felt like you were being unspooled? That everything that you thought, everything that you've, everything you've been taught, everything you thought you were, it feels like it's being unspooled. The Spirit of God takes the time to groan, to unspool you from your old carnal nature so that he can re-spool you to the Spirit. Because he doesn't mind you having a will, he just wants it to be aligned with his will. He doesn't mind you having the ability to use your intellect he just wants it not to be sovereign to yourself. He wants it to be under his sovereignty. He loves the fact that you have imagination. As a matter of fact, he gave you your imagination. But over and over again, read Jeremiah. He rebuked the prophets of that day for one thing, their vain imaginations. They prophesied, thus saith the Lord, and it was not thus saith the Lord. It was thus saith their own brains. Many in the church are declaring, the Lord's here and the Lord's there, and the Lord says this and the Lord does that. The Lord does not partner with unrighteousness, as far as I see it. He uses people to accomplish his will, but he does not partner with unrighteousness. Ask, ask Habakkuk. He had that question. What, you're going to use Babylon to, to cleanse Israel? You're going to use a wicked nation? God, no! That's what he said. No! How can you use these ruthless and unrighteous people? How can you put them over us? Oh, God, how? They're wicked. They're idolater. 
because they're Satanists. Habakkuk said, no, God, I refuse to hear it. But I will stand on my watch and I will wait to hear from you and what you will say when I am reproved. Because God, I have my opinions. And I have, I see the landscape, and I have my druthers, but God, I stand only with the prophet Habakkuk in the seat of reproof. You know what that means, God? You get to be right, and I get to be wrong. On Monday, you get to be right, and I get to be wrong. On Tuesday, you get to be right, and I get to be wrong. On Wednesday, you get to be right, and and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, until you've unspooled me from my own imaginations and my own design and my own desire, and you've re-spooled me according to your spirit. Oh, Spirit of God. I know the Spirit of God's going to work. Mm-hmm. He is. Some people will submit, and some people will not. The scary chapter in the Bible is where Jesus talks to the Pharisees, and it's in Matthew 12. And you can read it in your own time, 22 through 32. But it's a teaching that probably Mike and I are asked about most of all in ministry. And it's in regard to blaspheming the Holy Spirit. How many have ever thought you blasphemed the Holy Spirit? I mean, when I was a kid, you know, you just, you know, somebody tell you, you say, take the Lord's name in vain, you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Often it gives people a lot of fear. And it's, I mean, you read the scripture there and it's, it's pretty fearful, right? Any, any sin will be forgiven that you commit against the Son of Man. But any sin that you commit against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, not in this world or the world to come. Who ought you not to be messing with? <sighs> I'm like, Lord, teach me what this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. And so, you know, I think I've got some revelation on it. I'm always subject to greater revelation, but this is what I do know that in the, in, when you're looking at the hermeneutic, how you interpret the scripture, you first off have to look at who's the audience. Now, who is the audience Jesus was talking to in this situation? I know I have an unfair advantage here because I didn't have you go there. But Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. The religious rulers <coughs> have just told Jesus that he casts out devils by the devil. And so he gives a teaching, and then he moves on into the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And he tells them that, that, um, that if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you'll never be subject to for forgiveness. Well, what we look at there is he's talking to the Pharisees. They held their controlled religious viewpoint over any teaching that required submission. The Pharisees held their religious viewpoints over any teaching that required their submission. You see, the Pharisees had a great job. They made the rules. And now, don't, don't, don't point the finger at the Pharisee beside you. You better point the finger at the Pharisee in you. Because we're all subject to that Pharisee within us. There again, it's part of that spooling of the flesh. We're all subject to say, the time has come, the end is near, and I have faced the final curtain. You know where I'm going? I'll say clear, state my case of which I'm certain, right? 
I did it my way. Oh, y'all don't laugh too hard. Because that is the Pharisee in you. I'll do it my way. Self-centered. It's anthropocentric. Centered around self. God is, the Spirit of God groans to get us from an anthropocentric life that is controlled by self and only is submits to self. Oh, you'll love to submit to doctrines of the Bible. Not you, but you know, we're talking about these other people. Let's be, let's be real. None of us. They like to submit to, to doctrines of the Bible that don't actually make them uncomfortable or make them lose control. But any doctrine that actually causes them discomfort or some lack of control or causes them to submit or behave in some way that causes them to look weak, or just weak. We hate weak. We hate it. You know, you know. When someone who sucks wants you to serve them. Have you ever had somebody who, ah, oh, yeah. And you know, and we know that Jesus said go the second mile, but we don't think he really took into account our situation. And we know that he said agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way. He's talking to you in the way to court. Um, I can't tell you how many people who have gone through a divorce and they're going to that custody to fight over their kids that they made in a bedroom together. They're going to fight. And that judge is going to do what Solomon did and divide that baby in half. <clears throat> And that mama's going to take half and that daddy's going to take half. But you know who's going to die? Yeah, that child. That's why the Lord said, I hate divorce. Because there's always victims. God didn't say, I hate people who get divorced. He said, I hate the act of divorce because it always does violence. Now, I've never been divorced, but I've seen people who have been divorced and it always does violence in their life. Always. And so we see that here. Y'all didn't know I was going to get so delvy this morning, did you? I didn't either come to think of it. None of this is in my notes. But we see that. We see that the Holy Spirit, he begins to, he's groaning in us because he wants to move from us our own selfish lifestyles. And he says, agree with your adversary while you're in the way. And how many, how many mothers and fathers, how many times, Mike, have we said, go make peace with your ex-wife. Go make peace with your ex-husband. But you don't know They have just as much right to that child as you. No! I will spend everything I have. I will go to court from dawn till dusk and I will rip and shred and tear and I will choke and I will claw and I will get my child. Now, I'm not saying that there are not abusive situations. But I have seen those children stand in the midst of that while daddy's saying mama's a whore and mama's saying daddy hated her, was emotionally abusive. And the child doesn't know whether to live with the victim or the whore. Or the, the, didn't know whether to live with the abuser or the whore. You see what I'm saying? Self is sinister. 
and you think to serve self is going to get you in some favorable place of peace in your life, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. You will always, always find yourself in destruction whenever you follow after the will of self. Always, 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 without exception. Because why? Why? Because flesh and the spirit are at enmity with each other. The Bible says that they cannot be in, in fellowship with one another. There's no agreement there. And when you choose the flesh, you have chosen to walk in disagreement with God. And you cannot walk in disagreement to God and end up in blessing. You can't. Period. Try it. Many have tried before you. If you would like to be another, please do. You will only end up in destruction. So what is the spirit groaning for? Groaning? To make your enemies pay? No, he's groaning within you. He's groaning to tear the flesh from you, to circumcise. He's doing the intermediary role of a priest. The priest, when, when, a, when a Jewish boy was eight days old, what did the mom and daddy do? They took him to who? The priest. And the priest circumcised that boy at eight days of old. The Bible says the, the ministry of circumcision is gone. But the point that circumcision remains is still prevalent today. As the prophet said, circumcise your hearts. That's what the groaning of the Spirit is, is the circumcision of a heart. Now look throughout the Bible, anywhere that a grown man was circumcised, there was pain involved. There's pain involved for an eight-day-old baby. But it's not nothing remembered. Whenever Moses went back to Egypt to see the children of Israel delivered out of bondage, he had two sons who were born in Midian. They had not been circumcised. Zipporah, his wife, they're old boys. Can you imagine having a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 8-year-old? I don't know. You put the age on it. And you have to be circumcised with a rock. A sharp flint knife. How many of y'all thinking this is what something you're getting in that? Or how many you're getting in that line? How many of you think it's it's pleasant, the groaning of the spirit in you to remove you from the flesh? It's not. You're so wound up on that spool. And so on the way, Zipporah said, "We're not circumcising our boys. We're not doing it, Moses. I see no need for it. That's just ridiculous, and we're not going to do it." Okay. Well, God's called me to deliver Israel, and um, circumcision is a real big thing to God. Like, obedience is, is like numero uno for him. But let's go. On the way, what happens? Those boys get sick. Sick. They're going to die. They're fixing to die. So she takes a rock, and she sharpens it, and she circumcises her sons. And she says, Moses, you are a bloody bridegroom to me and God heals them but they have to hang out there for a few days I hope this is not too graphic for y'all but it's very much a part of the word of God when the Holy Spirit wants to circumcise our heart the older you are 
the harder it is. And there's a funny thing about the circumcision of the heart. I have found that that collar of the flesh will grow back. And the Holy Spirit continues to intercede in that priestly role. And he circumcises. Because God will not share glory with flesh. And so we ask so many times, Lord, where is your glory gone? And the Spirit's groaning. He's groaning within us to remove us from those carnal things, to remove the flesh from us, to circumcise our heart, to divide this. That's the next thing the, the priest does. Hebrews 4 and 12. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is that of the priest as the intercessory role within us. We see the typology there. We get to be priests too. Kings and priests, as a matter of fact. That's what the Bible says. But we're not qualified. Most of us sign up for the king line. We don't sign up for the priest line. It's that service line that really gets us. And you know what? Lord tests your service until he knows for sure you're a servant and not just a play actor who's trying to really get to the king line by the servant line. But what we see here, the Spirit, he does this. Hebrews 4 and 12. How many of you know that scripture? But the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Soul, you might as well put flesh in there. Soul and spirit, joint and marrow. What is in the inside of a bone? The marrow. I mean, it's the deepest part. Joint and marrow. And is a discerner, oh, even deeper still, than the thoughts. Is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. See, when you're reading Hebrews, you're talking to Hebrews, and Hebrews are really good at Hebrew stuff. And so, when you're talking to Hebrews, the author of Hebrews there, he knows who he's talking to, and they get it. They don't have to have this long teaching on it. When he says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, he's talking about the priestly ministry. Because when you bring your sacrifice, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, your whole self as a what? A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable act of worship. What are you going to, what's going to happen? See, you're presenting yourself to God and you're saying, priest, Holy Spirit, I want you to divide this sacrifice, because that's what the priest would do. The priest would come. See, we're living sacrifices. You were a dead sacrifice until you met the one who made you alive, and now you're a living sacrifice, but there's still work to be done in the sacrifice. The dividing. That's what the priest would do. You bring that sacrifice to him. It's not just a matter of cutting the thing's neck and throwing it on the altar. You read the law. Oh, my goodness. You divide this from that. You cut it open. You remove this. You remove the fat from around the organs. The fat belongs to the Lord. How many of y'all want to be a priest? I mean, how many of you know how to field dress? It's gross. It's gross. It is gross to me. I mean, fish are bad enough. I was raised, you know, you know, cleaning perch. That's what my job was. You bring home a bunch of perch, and then you go out on the back porch, and you, you scale them all, and scales are sticking all to your face, you know, and then you cut the head off, and then you cut that right there, and you scrape all the guts out, and you cut the fins or open, whatever you want, my, however my dad said to do it. That is gross enough. I would hate to be a priest. And then there's all this burning, and this goes there, and that goes here. 
Now, when you read that, when you hear that scripture, you hear that scripture, Hebrews 4 and 12. And the word of God is living and active. The word of God. Who's the word of God? He's living and he's active. And that when, when the Holy Spirit picks up the sword, who's he picking up? It's Jesus. Jesus. The Holy Spirit has a one-point message. You know what it is? Jesus. So when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and you reject his ministry, who do you reject? How can you not? You can, can you get in heaven if you've rejected Jesus? Nope. So when the Holy Spirit, he picks up, and he, the word of God is, is living and active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it's two-edged there means two-mouthed sword. I don't have full revelation on that yet. Two mouths. A sword with two mouths. M-O-U-T-H. And I think, Lord, is that my mouth and your mouth? Is that Holy Spirit's mouth and Jesus? I don't know. Y'all can get some revelation on that. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Holy Spirit is groaning to divide us. The Holy Spirit is wanting us to bring us out of our bondage. See, that's the reason for it. I don't want to reject. I don't want to stop the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. This is for my freedom. It's because of bondage. He wants to set me free. He, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's not just talking about in some atmosphere. You know what, though, I found? You can get enough free people together, it changes the atmosphere. You can. That's called the glory. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's trying to make liberty in here. True, where the, who the sun sets free is free indeed. See, we kind of keep that out here somewhere, out here somewhere, but it's right here, and he's using the word, and he's using the spirit of God is groaning within me to create liberty, and anything in my heart that's not of him, he's removing it, and anywhere on my life is still spoiled around the flesh, and I won't give him control. He's going to the task of unspooling me. He wants to gain full mastery in my life, full control. He wants me to be submitted to him, sub, under his mission, and where he has full authority, he has carte blanche in my life to do with as he wills and as he pleases. That's the ministry of, our, of the Spirit of God within us. I'll finish. He circumcises our heart. He divides the sacrifice. He gives us total freedom. All because for one motivating factor... Because he loves us. He loves us. And what can separate us from the love of God? Shall height, shall depth, shall political parties, shall principalities or powers, shall rulers of wickedness, shall height nor depth nor any other creature be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And the Spirit of God is groaning, and he's groaning in his church. He's groaning in his bride. He's groaning. He's groaning today. He's moving in lands far away in unprecedented measures. Oh my gosh, I will. how many of y'all saw the video of the Filipino revival? Anybody? My God. I don't know the man, the evangelist. They were in a tent evangelist, and I'll close with this. This is what I'm looking for. 
young Filipino boy, young man came up. And he was beside himself. And he was speaking English. And he said, I didn't know. I'm a member of the LBGT community. I'm gay. I was. He said, I didn't think there was freedom for me. I didn't know. I was told. I was told there was no freedom. I was told that I was like this. And there was nothing. He said, but a fire. Something happened. A fire is inside of me. And I know I wasn't born to be this way. I know that I am I'm called to live a different life. And that evangelist just went, didn't even touch him, just said, free him. And that boy fell on the ground. And he began to scream as demons left him. He writhed around for just a few seconds, and demons just, in a very Acts New Testament way, they screamed and they left him. I said, that's what I'm looking for. And then that evangelist, these, all these Filipinos are in the altar, just a sea of peoples, all you can see in this tent, this everywhere, and their hands are raised, and they're just every one of them just raised up like this. And that evangelist says, God, move on them. And when he does, it's like a wave. They have an aerial camera. They all start just fall. It's like a wave of people falling. All of them. Are, and then a, the camera pans on them, and they're all just convulsing. I mean, it looks like cordwood just stacked on, like a bomb went off. And you're like, is that God? Mm, I don't, you couldn't make me wallow around on somebody else unless it was God. Is it God to be set free from a homosexual spirit? Are you going to be the one too that says, ah, oh, that's demons casting out demons. I'm telling you, God's going to move. He's going to move. He's going to get a people prepared. And there's going to be a move. And you know what? If we don't get to be comfortable, good. If comfort is our enemy, then bring it, make us uncomfortable, God. If you've got to put a, socialism in all, a socialist in office to make us uncomfortable, That'll be all right. Do y'all see what I'm saying? God, how could you? I go back to Habakkuk. How could you put Babylon over Israel? We're chosen. And you know what the Lord said? Do you know what his answer was to Habakkuk? The vision is yet for an appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it. For it will come and it will not delay. It will come. But it will come by God's time and it will come through God's method. And when we have stepped on the other side, we will be a church of power led by the Spirit of God. Because they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. By converse, they that are not led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of the devil. It doesn't get any more blatant than that, does it? Now, I added that. That's, just the, that's not in the scripture exactly, but many times we've been called the sons of Belial. People have been called the sons of the devil. We pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are going to have a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, I pray, Father, 
that you cause us to be people who yearn for your spirit in our life. God, I pray that you would search the land of the heart today. God, let us not make flesh our strength. Father, we repent for believing that fleshly systems would bring us strength. Father, we choose to wait on you, Father, for a renewing, a changing of our strength. For they that wait upon the Lord will have their strength renewed. And then, Lord, we will mount up with wings as eagles. And we will run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint. God, let us be led of your spirit today. In Christ's name, amen. Ah, man, I'm sweating. Here we go. You're like me, you gotta stand up for just a little while, let it all line up. <laughs>